0: creative company is so delicious, and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me. And one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. An interesting scenario for a guitar player is to play in a large ensemble with strings and horns and a whole rhythm section. Piano player. Matt Johnson is a pianist and composer and hired me to play on his album Something About the Moon. We recorded at Blue Jay Recording Studio and performed at New England Conservatory, Long School of Music, and the Boston Hat Show. Very exciting. Matt has remained on the cutting edge of music technology and websites that last. Today we talk about music brains and music X. Hello. How are you? Hello, Matt. Matt from a long time ago. Oh, yeah.
1: So, hi, kid.
0: Hi. How are you master?
1: I'm good. I have enjoyed keeping up with you through the years. I don't think we've actually been able to speak like this.
0: No, no, we, we haven't spoken in a million years. Wow, that's great. That's <laughs> but great. I, I, I do want to thank you for all that support over the years. I mean, you bought like every CD I ever put out.
1: I am a very big believer that we got to support each other. So indeed, I think that's very important. So I was happy to do it. I've enjoyed, I always always have enjoyed your stuff back when you started with Too True and the whole thing. So still have them all ripped in my computer.
0: In fact, you were the one that inspired us to how to even start Feather Records and Cotton Moon Music and get the business going and all that. You taught us so much because at the time I was saying, I want to put out a record. And you're like, don't make a vinyl, don't make an album. They don't care if somebody's album is skipping. You know, they're they're not going to make sure if a big artist's uh, album is skipping, they're certainly not going to check yours, you know. So that was a big deal. And I remember then the quality of every CD was exactly what you gave them. So that was a really cool
1: tip. Well, I I was just passing it forward. I got that tip from George Winston. Oh, wow. Wyndham Hills. And I have um, emails and letters, his handwriting. He's just recently passed. But oh, I'm um, writing that suggesting happened. similarly. It's like, I want to make a record. He said, just go make a record. And Here's a book and here's a book and here's a resource and how to do it. And yes. so if I pass that along to you, then that's the way it's supposed to work.
0: Yeah, well, I had had that book, How to Make and Sell Your Own Record. Diane Rappaport. Yeah. yeah, Diane Rappaport. Yeah. Fantastic. And can you believe how popular it's become? Like everybody puts out a record now. Uh, but that's, that's the
1: way it's supposed to go, right? We, we don't have to have permission from a record company to believe in us and sink money in. We can do it ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's always been the case because I read that first book by Carol Burnett and she was saying that was the exact thing they did. She put on her own show. She invited the press and everything started to roll. So it was like, yeah, you definitely have to put your own money where your mouth is. That's so cool.
1: It's believing in yourself and committing to it. And like you said, putting the money in and but let that be your singular focus as well. You know, this is I don't need permission. I know what I'm going to do. And I've appreciated everything that you've done through the years. You've been producing your own stuff and for others. And (laughs) it's great to watch you grow. So
0: it's just fun to be able to play with the stuff. And now even the equipment has become semi-professional at home. And it's like, wow, we get to play with the real toys, too. I know, I know. So cool.
1: Back in the day of SSL, and I had to have an engineer do all the fades for me. And now it's like, oh, it's just in my DA. I'll take care of it. So really? You're doing all that yourself, too? What DA are you oh, using? Oh, yeah. I Believe it or not, I'm an old uh, Mark of the Unicorn digital performer guy. Digital
0: performer. Yes, a lot and of film people are.
1: Yeah, and back when it started, it was a separate uh, composer and a separate performer program from uh, Mark of the Unicorn. And then at some point, they made a digital performer. So Pro Tools was always audio-based and eventually added the MIDI component, whereas digital performer was always more digital com- keyboard, rather. And then they added the digital audio component. So yes, it's not as popular a program, I guess. But I'm No, well, I know a lot of people still use it. It's great. It can do anything you want to. It's like Photoshop for the music world.
0: Yeah. Are you still performing in those giant ensembles you used to have that I was in?
1: I was going to say that's, I have a treat for your uh, viewers at the end of this. I'll give you, send you a link. Uh, I'll go ahead and spoil the, give the spoiler. I have all that stuff from gosh, second record I ever released back in 1989 and you played for me with me at Longy school of music, as well as the hatch shell there in Boston many, many, many many times. Um, So yeah, I've got that all video linked on my site. I'll I'll pass that along to your viewers. And New
0: England performer too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I mean
0: New England um conservatory. conservatory. Yeah, we played there too. New England yeah.
1: conservatory, get it right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we we you know slummed with you Berkeley people, but you know, we <laughs> all the people that were on my recordings were from Berkeley. They were the cool guys, right? So it was fun. Um, but and to answer your question, I don't do as much performing with the bigger ensembles these days, but that's purposeful. Um, that right. was one of the many multiple chapters of our lives. So that was good during the day, but I kind of determined several years ago, it was better use of my time to focus my energies on the recording aspect because I would, well, yeah, because I would spend months uh, getting ready for concerts and putting everything together. And back in the day, we do both mailing and postcards and interviews and all that stuff for an hour or two performance. And then it's gone. I'd rather spend time making the an encapsulation of a work and then it lives it's got its own life it's an entity and can live past me which is a a cool thing
0: i like that about uh records too recordings i've always enjoyed making the movie because of the special effects and everything else you can do and i can clone myself i mean there are billions of guitar players in the world but i'd rather have all the guitar players be me right (laughs) So it's very easy to do with recording and very lovely to do.
1: Yeah, just being able to back yourself up harmonically, uh, vocally, as well as guitar and other. It's great. One man band.
0: Yeah, I've always uh, enjoyed doing that since I was very young. But yeah, making records is such a blast. I'm so glad you're doing that now, too
1: well i was in a way inspired by you i've always done it but you set up the whole studio thing in your home and and you're uh you have a digital board now or analog board it's
0: analog i have a digital controller
1: okay an
0: analog board yeah
1: yeah and you're still using the two inch pancakes and all that kind of stuff are you still doing that (laughs)
0: Uh, well, no, I, I never had a two inch machine, but I have a one inch machine. I have a one inch 16 track, which I only got about two years ago, just out of reminiscing about my half inch task M38 that I missed. I liked even the sounds and all the crazy things it made. and uh,
1: <laughs> Yeah, the whole analog world is indeed kind of a nice way to, you know, play around and do some effects that you can't necessarily get uh, replicated digital.
0: Well, it's amazing, too. When I record my drums, if I record right to tape, it's instantly sounding so much better than if I just record right through the interface, you know? I mean, it's like you need some tape emulation or I guess some...
1: Yeah, so why do it digital and then put that emulation back on it with a, an effects plug-in? It's like, just do the real thing.
0: Well, yeah, it's it takes a little longer, but it's fun, you know? So I, I like playing with all the buttons and stuff. And Yeah, uh, one
1: of the things, I, I mentioned the two-inch uh, pancake you had mentioned or you had a video on your channel at one point about the two inch pancakes and whatever you were showing the metal plate and similarly back in the day that's how we recorded everything so those tapes degraded through the years and I ended up getting rid of the tapes everything's digitized getting rid of the tapes but I still have the the pancake platter kind of thing you know yeah well um you the know
0: flanges that the, the the side that the yes just, the flanges
1: and yeah. yeah i was gonna say i have some hanging up here above me you. too <laughs> <laughs> so well okay let's see
0: well that's here. cool you you got yeah, there they there are, they are. Yeah, yeah they look cool right right i have um, a one inch and a half inch over there and then just the outside of a couple over here yeah <laughs> but, it, it, me it still looks like a studio when there's a two- inch tape machine in it and a console you know so yeah
1: i agree i agree yeah. so i'm curious i know that this is you're interviewing me but i'm interviewing you because we haven't had a chance to touch touch base so you're you've gotten caught up in doing all the interviewing and now it's a podcast and congratulations on that i like creative community you know uh conversation with with lauren but what else are you doing musically are you still working on the record catch me I'm just,
0: I just released uh, Snow Cake a couple months ago. And the year before that, I did Just Like Earth. And the year before that, or during the same year, I did a record with a friend. It's (laughs) it's called Book of Your Heart. And um, then in between there, there was also a bunch of EPs. So, yeah, I just keep writing and recording as well. Well,
1: That was that was where I was going, because I didn't know if you were still just doing records like a record worth of material or Mm. transition into singles, which is kind of like the thing now.
0: I know. I've done a lot of singles. I've done EPs. Sometimes it's just there's so many and I'm going to pay the same amount. Why not just do them all at once anyway?
1: Well, you what I have figured out is in releasing singles, I've pretty much kind of given up on albums for the most part. Okay. One of the detrimental things for me was it just takes so dadgum long to get (laughs) them all done and ready. Mm. So I can work, 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 get something done, put it out there. And right. That's pretty exciting. So a lot of people are just doing the single releases. um, And then you have the option, just I'll put this little thought in your brain. If you switched over and started doing singles, then when you get enough to make a record, make a compilation record of all these tunes.
0: That's true. Yeah, but they don't let you upload the file again. It's like they just say it's a compilation and those files exist already here. And
1: Possibly, yeah. It depends how you got it set up um,
0: well years ago before they got too crazy with <clears> digital releases only I had a whole bunch of singles released now all of those are missing and because a compilation came out with a bunch of new tunes as well all the single covers aren't pictured but the compilation is because all those songs are there as well so they, they,
1: the data has to be changed in order and new pictures
0: yeah are So you're doing all, are you doing the uh, metadata as well
1: yeah, I've gotten caught up. Um, I have good a program. bunch of people. I have a bunch of people that you know take care of that for me. Not oh, really. Uh, I'm my people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, take care of that, and don't forget to clean the gutters when you're. I get to do all of that. So yeah, the data is a big thing. I do all the graphics. I do all the recording. I write and arrange it. And um...
0: so, if you're doing singles, how are you making sure that they're all normalized and or not normalized, but like at a, at a good release level and all that. Mastered
1: is yeah word. Yeah.
0: Um, I master too, but I, I didn't think you were, are, are you mastering your own and making sure I've that done both.
1: I've, I've done both? I've done both. I've mastered enough to know just in my own, for my own ears, but then sometimes depending on the tune, I'll hire out. Um, I've used several players from my past recordings and we bounce tracks back and forth for live playing and I've had some of those guys master for me um so yeah it's you know definitely worth the few pennies that you end up paying to have somebody master it so that it's a optimal level and yeah. stuff but yeah once you get all that kind of figured out then it's like that's the way to go cuz then you can churn them out and even if they have their own individual ISRC code and your ASCAP or BM, BMI codes everything's got you Know you can replicate that and it'll still pop up, so
0: yeah, yeah. No, I've always done all the, my own mastering, but part of mastering is making sure the 10 or 11 songs hang together really nicely, right? So, I guess my concern was if you're doing individuals, you just have to make sure that's happening before you send it, uh, with the previous one you just did last month or how often you're doing that's
1: it. true, that's true, but then you can just to this point if you did say you did 12 singles and then you want to make a compilation thing so send the gather up the 12 singles send them to a place and have them do that balancing for you that's an uh, option yeah because i that like way, doing it myself though <laughs> as, I, I like doing it myself too it just as you have found out it takes a lot longer to put stuff out doing it that way
0: if i see what you're saying so you know, how often
1: are you lady gaga's and taylor swift's of the world we've got people that do all that we can write it and then you guys take care of that and i'm gonna go on and do a tour or do whatever.
0: the next thing yeah well how, how often are you putting out a single
1: um that's a good question i am doing them as quickly as i can is the answer there's not an actual deadline or a schedule it's like living life and you do it you work on it and Somebody will say, when are you going to be done with that thing? It's like, well, I'm going to work on it till it's done. I'm, I'll let you know when it's done.
0: That's true. That's true. I mean, they said that even about this uh, episodes <laughs> for the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're saying, you know, like how often you want to release episodes. I'm like, uh, right after never,
1: I will. Whenever I'm done with them. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> when we have a nice talk and I want to add it to the list, you know. Exactly. So Something About the Moon was your second album? That's when I met Something you? Something
1: About the Moon was second album. And... Uh, This at this point from album, an album perspective, I've got probably on this is off the top of my head, 12 or so. uh, Some of those and then four or five of those are compilations. In addition, I've got two EPs, like you mentioned, and then I've got just a whole slew of singles. Um, And so, yeah, Something About the Moon, 1989, back when wow. albums, album albums were fading out. Now it's retro to have an album again.
0: I know. Do you think back. CDs will come back?
1: Um, I hope so, because I have a whole bunch of them I'd like to get rid of. And nobody <laughs> nobody has a CD player anymore.
0: I know. I have a basement full of them too. Every album is available, folks.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're they're, you know, in perpetuity. So But that brings things...
0: me go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, it brings me to artwork. And there was a story about artwork that I wanna remind you of but you probably remember it really well so you you say what you were saying because i'm changing the subject
1: i we can switch over to artwork i was going to say i took i've taken a bunch of my cds and even actually the albums and i made a coffee table not a coffee table but like a table on them all my album albums stacked them up and i've got a glass table up top on top of it and it's over here in the corner it's kind of cool so oh, that's good you can do you the do same, yeah you can do the same thing with all that inventory yeah. in
0: and, and you have like the jackets hanging behind you there
1: yes i yeah I up, a few of them. those are i can't remember the name of the company fracture fracture or something like that there's a company that does those with a glass i do each one and that way they're kind of you know a single five by five square or whatever they are and then all the other albums are album albums over here yes this one above my thumb was that's an eight hour disc wow i ended up putting that that's the proverbs i did a release of auditory narration of the proverbs as well as then i did a separate release the second one in that little thing of just the music so that's There was no way to do it as an audio. I checked into it. It would have been like double, triple eight CDs. So I just made them all MP3s. So that's an MP3 disc, which most DVD players and CD players would play that at the time it was released. So yeah, I've been different incarnations. And anyway, you were going to slide us over into
0: artwork. Well, I I think it was on something about the moon. You had sent it to one distributor and the artwork wasn't finished yet. And they supposedly listened to it But they said, no, we don't want to distribute this. And then as soon as you sent it to them again, the exact same audio with the artwork completed for something about the moon, they said, we love this so much better than the last one you gave us. We'll definitely distribute this one. Right. And
1: then nothing (laughs) had changed other than it was finished.
0: the artwork. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's all presentation
1: though.
0: Yeah. But it makes sense for a, a retailer to think this is ready for distribution. But they were saying it wrong or they didn't catch what you were doing, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I have a
1: number of uh, distributors that come to mind, but I don't want to say their names out loud because I know individual <laughs> stuff that yeah, cut, that could have been. <laughs> I'm glad you remember the story. I don't. I kind of put that in brain.
0: <laughs> Well, yeah, I had two international distributors, or, or no, national distributors, but we got international press, which was amazing. And have you found that that's an easy thing to do now? Like, I used to be able to write to magazines, home and studio recording, Roland users group, uh, you know, all these different magazines that we got to be in. I hardly get the, the, an answer these days. It's like, it used to be so much easier to get press. I thought.
1: Yes. I, I definitely have seen a change in that so much so that I've kind of, in a way stopped doing that altogether. Yeah. It wasn't, it doesn't get any promotion. and you know, you have to kind of promote it yourself. So yeah. that's okay. It's, It is what it is.
0: How are you promoting it yourself these days? Uh, Hey, have you heard my new record? (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It's like, it it just, there's too many people to tell. And there's like 80,000 new songs released every day. So (laughs) I just...
1: And the hot air balloons and I'm throwing leaflets out as we go over people's homes, but I keep getting ticketed <laughs> by the police for littering. I don't know. I'm going to have to stop that practice. I <laughs> At don't. least
0: the hot air balloon ride would be fun. Except <laughs> <I would> just...
1: <laughs> yeah, <'cause> it's hot. <laughs> yeah.
0: And yet, you know, you see people creating careers anyway. I'm, I'm not really sure how they're doing it, but good for them, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's a work of, it's a labor of love. I think we mm-hmm. are in that same boat because we're not making a lot of money doing this, but this is our heart and this is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't it weird? I think you're younger than I am. So you're the 63. Kid. But 53? <laughs> 63. 63? Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought you were younger. I'm younger than you. I'm 61 currently um you're old anyway but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so isn't it weird that now we're the old folk yes and as well as we can look back in our wake and see this the longevity of our career and and all these things that we've done all of a sudden like you mentioned in our email back and forth setting this up all of a sudden we have a catalog yeah like, when did that happen
0: so i know it's weird isn't it? that's the coolest thing i mean it's like I think that's what makes talking with lifetime artists interesting is that we've been at it our whole lives. You know, I started writing songs at 10 years old. How long, how long were you playing before you composed your first song?
1: It's interesting uh, answer. I officially wrote my first song for when I was a 11th grader in high school for my girlfriend at the time. Ah. Uh. DD song, but I found an old recital program evidently when I was a student coming up, and it's got some piece titled by me, and I I don't remember that, but apparently I performed it, so I guess I was in elementary school, but it's always been there, but but yes, now you have a catalog of, of work that... So now let me tra- transfer our conversational thread over for a second, because this is of interest to me to ask you, what are you doing for uh, archiving or legacy of your catalog? What have you done to make that last past you?
0: Oh, well, hopefully all those digital platforms that are out there where you can stream it forever won't disappear. <laughs> True. Right. It's it's everywhere, wherever my releases are. The the thing that got a little confusing was I didn't realize this, but one of my students said, hey, I started listening to your work and I started with the first album, Back to the Bone. I said, no, my first album was Among the Ruins. Oh, it's like with a band name. Two it's tr- listed
1: differently, right?
0: It's listed differently. And Apple and some of those will put them together because I am the same person singing all the songs who wrote all the songs and performed all the songs but because it was under a band name too true spelled t-w-o-t-r-u it's hard to find and one of the reasons it's hard to find is that one of the mastering engineers used the number two to put in the metadata and then there's been a ton of rap groups since then and it just goes on and on and for a while we had the copyright I mean the uh, trademark on the band name and all that but it just got to be so insane and expensive it was like What are we fighting for? (laughs) Right. right. What difference does it make? I don't want to throw that money down the tubes, you know? Well, one of
1: the things you can can try to clarify that if you choose, Uh, do you use like any official discography kind of a site? It used to be Discogs. Now it's Music Brains. Do you use any of that kind of stuff?
0: I'll look into Music Brains, but some of them, they just don't let me in. I haven't been able to get an account that works and they don't accept my uh, changes i haven't even found a place to put the lyrics to get all my lyrics up there everywhere
1: go i use music brains okay um, as my official discography and you just create an account brains with an z at the end by the way Ooh, oh, okay um you you create an account and then you can submit and log in. And, and so I have everything listed and I can control all the metadata. And I'm sure there's a place you can put your lyrics in there as well. Oh you wow. Can make sure your covers are in there. So
0: okay. That's
1: great to yeah. know. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Now what what was how oh, okay. Oh, what was that Still up on the latest business stuff I see? This
0: is great. <laughs> this is great.
1: Well this is part of us doing the all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Doing the what? Doing the all of it. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So back back to my question. Have you pursued, other than relying on third parties, streaming platforms to perpetuate your catalog, have you done anything else?
0: I didn't know what else there is to do. Have you heard of a little thing called Web3? Web3? Mm-hmm.
1: So we'll be educational to your viewers if hopefully yes. they've heard some of this. So because we have lived through albums, vinyl, went to CDs, and then eventually into streaming, and we don't want CDs anymore, so everything's streaming, but then we're still relying on, in the old days, a uh, company to take us on and discover us. Well, we figured out how to discover ourselves, so we've done that. But now we're still relying on the... Apple iTunes and the Pandora's and the Spotify's to stream our stuff of which we get zero. Mm -hmm. So, and we are at their mercy. So there's a new paradigm shifting um, built on blockchain and crypto and web three is in the early stages of being developed, but there are, you could go in and you should do this you know, get your own name. Right now, if you go to laurenpasserelli.com, you're renting that domain name. Right. A service provider. And um, you can pay 10 years ahead of time, but if you kaputs today, you got 10 years, somebody has to go in there and can sustain it for you to have your site available. Right. Three's a different thing. Web3, their domain names, you're purchasing the domain name. You purchase it once, you own it forever. Whoa. Yes, and you can control your branding that way. And I've delved off into this, and you've heard of something called an NFT. No. Okay, so let me educate you. So you and your listeners want to get involved in this because, just like those who started with albums, digital became the thing. So everybody kind of graduated that, and now it's all streaming. And you graduate the next incarnation of the music industry. Is going to be blockchain based NFTs, non fungical tokens. And it gives you a direct one on one. This is Diane Rapidport's concept of just release it yourself, and do your own. This is that on steroids. Whoa. Where you can put your stuff out there. This is what I've been caught up in lately archiving huh. my stuff for legacy and perpetuating, perpetuating my catalog into the future. So you can obtain your domain names. You can get that all set up. You can build a website that will exist way past our lifetimes and live the blockchain. So check this out.
0: This whole time you're talking about that. I'm feeling like we're talking about star Wars and space invaders. And
1: (laughs) well, it's, I'm, It's I'm not a, I'm not an evangelist, but, um, I'll make an analogy where, or the connection, remember back in the day when, um, pdfs adobe pdfs came out and all this kind of stuff that was like early late 80s or early 90s and i was i've always been an apple mac guy um but the problem was because i was heavily classical background for me and writing out my scores which i still do but the advantage the disadvantage was we couldn't talk to pc people right and so the whole PDF thing came about. And I, I latched onto that. I said, man, that's it. We can encapsulate this, make a file and PC or Apple. You can, you can read it and I can mm-hmm. get my music this way. So I, I latched into that. I knew it was a good idea when it came around. This NFT is that. Wow. That sounds so cool. So check, check that out because there is a high learning curve as in, you know, it's all new. And, but yeah, you should check around the Berkeley area. I'm sure there's people that are into this and could help You know, fill in some information for you. And I'll privately do that with you as well, if you'd like. But yeah, so that is that's what I've been catching up to. It kind of ties into your question, how often are you releasing a single? Mm. My last one was about a year ago, but that's because I've been making NFTs and I've been getting that all set up the eBay the the eBay version in the digital world for these NFTs is called OpenSea as in waves <laughs> opensea.io which is an extension in the Indian ocean <laughs> It's the new thing so
0: what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> what? who is this guy
1: so, um Check check out OpenSea because, and again, all all these links are on my site. And the shameless plug goes, if you go to my regular Web2 site, mattjohnsonmusic.com, you can find all this stuff. But I've set up, I bought mattjohnsonmusic.x and that will live way past all of us. And I'm recreating a site that will live on the blockchain and everything is there and we'll throw some more slang at you. It's using the interplanetary file system. <laughs> I you'd like that, IPFS. And I'm running a couple of nodes here to perpetuate that. And you base things on Pinata and it gives you a fingerprint, a content ID, basically a digital fingerprint, like 42 characters long. It's crazy, but it's a unique fingerprint for every file you put up on there. So it won't change. There's a lot to be explored, but this is where I would encourage you as my friend and those who might find us in the future. Of course, you know, 10 years from now, everybody's like, of course, man, that's what everything is. What's a CD? Well, that's where we're going.
0: Uh, well, how do you know all that's going to be available then?
1: Well, that's the thing. Even by doing it in this whole Web3 IPFS concept, what it's doing is not necessarily... Um, going to go out of style meaning i'm putting my audio files up online so where i'm at in my career i didn't get into this music making and composing to make money which is good i've succeeded uh in that goal but <laughs> but i'm really good at not making money but I what did you
0: out- ever do for a job
1: if you weren't making money <laughs> well i i figured out well, much like, let me pause that. So much like Bob, you know, <laughs> who, who worked for a church. I was working in a church for 30 some odd years. I still play for a church, easy gig. And then I teach. So I'm teaching multiple days a week and that yes. support my, my habit of living and paying bills. <laughs> but so I'm not trying to make money as much as I figured out I'm going to make my stuff available
0: hmm. uh,
1: anyway, whether you buy it from me or not so here's my way my wave file here's my mp3 file here's the FLAC file whatever all these different files formats and it's on this interplanetary file system and here's the code number for it and it will be there forever we hope (laughs) until it's not right
0: (laughs) until we don't know until the
1: next make. thing blows out of the way. But, if they
0: get rid of the internet or what happens, I don't know. <laughs> well,
1: That's the nice thing. They can get rid of the internet and this will still be uh, pervasive. It'll still be legacy stuff. So,
0: That's fantastic. That's so really cool. Check that out. I think that might be applicable for you. Yes, it just might, because I'm always wondering what happens after that, you know, because most of the time people just come in, clean up and throw everything away. Well, that's that's,
1: when you come to that realization, you know, the copyright laws haven't really kept up with technology to begin with. And the moment we creatives create something in whatever medium, there's an automatic, you know, once you die, it's 70 years or 90 years or whatever after monies you can make on this goes into your estate that's assuming you've got people that are going to run an estate on your behalf and perpetually you know try to uh get people to pay attention to your stuff
0: yeah
1: there's a word that's i'm missing but anyway so and i figured that's that's not going (laughs) to happen all the way so you know what can i do
0: try to keep how did you hear about this
1: um I do not know, I I stumbled into it. And one of the things I did with my first five albums. So the first five albums had like 153 pieces on the first five albums. Just to
0: upload all that stuff and do all those things.
1: What I did was I took those 153 pieces And I created each one as a new version of it. I took the underlying audio, but I had uh, animated stuff going on video. So I created an NFT of this. So it's a separate, unique one of one in the world that you can buy on OpenSea and made all these NFTs and kind of got off into that and then realized all these other things. And it's a lot, it's a good learning curve there's a big learning curve but then you can do everything so
0: how much does that cost for each nft or
1: it depends how much you want to put into it i mean okay anything that can be digitized basically we can take a screenshot of our meeting right now and that can become an nft anything digital and do you understand the non fungible part of this
0: no i didn't even know what you just said <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's um, what you said. <laughs> that's what I said. But just <laughs> translate non fungical. If I give you a dollar and you give me a dollar, we still have a dollar. They are interchangeable. They are fung- fungible. fungible But non fungible is like a Mona Lisa. That's the example that gets used. You can have lots of copy prints of the Mona Lisa, but there's only one in the world. And that's okay. why it gets so much value, right? right. So these are unique things that we're creating only in the digital realm. Huh. And we, can control it. We own it. It can be proven that we own it. It can be proven what that this is the one thing. Somebody can take a picture of our Mona Lisa and say, oh, here, I got it. It's like, no, 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 that's not the original. We got all the 42-digit CID number or whatever. So there's more value in that. We as wow. artists and creatives can create and own that entity. And we can sell it directly to our fans, our consumers. We don't need the middle person.
0: Oh wow. I was wondering if you run into this. In everything being digitized and being streamed and information being uploaded or affiliation with Harry Fox and all these other places that you can join, you seem to have to opt into everything and put the same information in everywhere. And still somehow they drop the ball or they think they don't know. I get all these NOIs. We have no further information, we have no other information. It's like the names on the CD, the writers on the CD, the publishers on the CD, everything is right there. you know. And if they were looking at that or they got that information from CD Baby, why are they asking me for it over and over again? And it's probably because it's not in the metadata, right?
1: Right, so you and I started with CD Baby, I don't know, are you still using them? Yeah. Yeah, good old Derek. I saw it. He's
0: not in it. He's I know he
1: it. sold it. I know he's gone. And,
0: and it went down tubes after he left.
1: <laughs> well, well, they're, they've changed with the time. Yeah. So they aren't doing the physical thing anymore. But back when we began with CD Baby, they weren't. This whole metadata thing wasn't a thing. I know. There was no ISRC numbers to put in. So a couple of years after I had my stuff out, you too. CD Baby went back and put all these codes in there for us which they controlled and they put which you needed to have at the time. So, yeah, nowadays, though, a lot of these streaming platforms have an association. You mentioned Harry Fox. They have associations with that already, which means you want to, when you release it, are you still releasing through CD Baby? Yeah. Okay. They'll take care of it. You plop everything into CD Baby, and when they distribute it for you, or distro distro kit or whatever, they they're sending that information to the platforms. Yeah. So it's there. What it sounds like, probably happening, I'm guessing for you, is that some of your older works, prior to all this metadata, may not be there, and so that then you have to replicate all these NOIs all the time for individual people. But that yeah. shouldn't be happening with your newer works, I wouldn't think.
0: Yeah. I still think there should be one gigantic database that...
1: Musicbrains.com. That's what I was talking Because about. then, if there is anything missing, you've got a source that is the authentic, you know, you've kind of put that in there.
0: So if somebody did a search for something of yours right now and it was sort of fragmented everywhere else, Music Brains would come up and give them all the info?
1: Again, when you put the metadata into the Music Brains and you put... We'll use something about the moon we've mentioned a couple of times. If I put that in the new code, this, and the catalog, this, and the matrix number, this, and you put that all in music brains, then it becomes part of the search that Google or whomever you're using looks for as it repopulates itself. in Uh time. So, yeah, eventually it would pop up. It's like it's a lot of work right now because it's a lot of work to go back and get all that stuff updated.
0: So when did you stop using actual recording studios and two-inch tape? gosh i remember Uh, playing blue jay that was fun blue jay that was fun
1: yeah they got i heard that got sold but that was a great facility Um, a few times (laughs) i think well i left boston area in 96 and i think that was around the time i my next record was in 2000 and that was all digital i did it So it would have been my Boston days. I didn't because that was expensive back in the day. We were paying three hundred dollars an hour. Crazy!
0: Yeah, I can't believe you were doing that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, stupid me. But um, no,
0: but you had beautiful quality, and and
1: you got you had to pay for the quality that you wanted, and it it was you know yeah. So
0: great experience. I mean, it was just a fun session. You know,
1: those were great. And if if you remember, we did. All the weekends and or the 3 a.m. time spots when it was cheaper a little bit, you know, and uh, just about keeping our engineers awake. Hey, wake up.
0: So, <laughs> When did you start playing piano? How old were you? Um, I was
1: started piano when I was six.
0: Wow. Yeah, was that, like that your desire or was they sticking you to it? And-
1: no, it was it was both they guided <laughs> me several times but no my dad played a little bit oh and i had him he would play some songs. say, teach me that i think my first song he's taught me how to play born free and so i played born free and they slid me over to a teacher and i've been going ever since um huh. and, and when you get into the middle school time frame it's like this isn't, isn't fun anymore and they kind of had to guide me a little bit you know
0: mm. uh,
1: Uh, But yeah, it was always my thing.
0: So it was fun in the beginning. What changed?
1: Uh, In terms of it not being fun? Because I don't think that's happened.
0: But they had to guide you a little bit. What was happening? Well, as a middle school. There are a lot of people that go through similar things. They might find this helpful.
1: Right. You have, oh, well, in terms of stick-to-itiveness. Yes. Okay. So and I do this with my own teaching. I've been teaching 45 years now already, which is kind of weird. Yeah. 16. But, um, so by the time I was 16, I already had 10 years of experience. Of yes. Playing piano. But yeah, so I'm always constantly having to motivate people, kids, students to continue. And part of it could be, you know, you've put this much time in to this task already and you're just, Almost to the top of the hill, almost to the summit. And for me, around eight or nine years of learning in myself, there you you figure it out. It's like it clicks. It's like, oh, and you still have to put work in. Mm -hmm. But and so a lot of kids, I'll use middle school in this uh, example. You know, they get to the place where it's not fun anymore. Well, yeah you we can supplement we can do traditional stuff and some of the fun stuff and we can do composing whatever but whatever you end up doing is going to require a little bit of work and unfortunately this generation or two or five um has kind of <laughs> gotten out of the work towards a goal thing it's rarer and rare and we have to kind of we as music educators have to kind of help focus their energy that you're learning how to do something that the majority of people can't. Yeah. And you're not doing it for that purpose, but meaning you're training your brain. And one of the things I'm oftentimes telling students, and there's lots of uh, stuff online about this, but how you got in the piano world, you got to have both halves of your brain talk to each other, over that bridge to get things going and that is huge and so uh, when students sometimes will come and say well I played the right hand this week and I played the left hand I can't put them together that's hard it's like but that's the job (laughs) So, (laughs) so but yeah it is it is hard to constantly be motivating people but yeah. And then I have some whips and chains I use regularly. On- <laughs> if they need that kind of information.
0: <laughs> well, I like an example that a student shared with me. He was a biology major and he said, well, you know, when you go to make a synapse connection, it's like if you've ever seen a picture of a brain, it's got all these roads or grooves in it. And literally when your brain is trying to make a new synapse connection to get both halves talking to each hand, it's releasing a chemical to make a new groove. So you don't understand it until that groove is deep enough. And I thought, that's just amazing, because all you have to do then is keep showing up, like giving it sun and water, because eventually it happens. And when you get that aha moment about anything and you go, oh, I get it now, or oh, I can do it, or now I remember what I was going to say. It's that synapse connection jumps in and says, I'm here, I'm connected. Right. And you don't have mean that to worry about how long it's going to take. It's not right, you about, don't, you know, your focus is
1: just, I got to do this until it becomes automated. It yeah. doesn't mean that you're not thinking, because you still have to be sending the information.
0: Yes, but I, I think the difference between you and I back then was that we enjoyed doing it. I mean, I was yeah. yelled at to put my guitar down and to stop hanging out in my room playing. Was with that
1: them. by your critics or was that by your parents? <laughs>
0: That was my fans. Please, please, please quit. quit.
1: <laughs> my no, mom, no, no, came no, was, please stop playing the piano for just five seconds. Please. That was
0: that was my mom mostly, but I, I think she just wanted company. She's like, you're the oldest kid. Now we can go shopping. I'm like, I just rather play my guitar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but that, again, is, that's your personality. You're you're focused on your task, mm. which and mm. it's all your art. And mm. but that's who, part of who you are. And that's what makes you unique in the world.
0: That's what I love about it. It's it's like nobody else is doing exactly what you're doing or what anybody is actually doing or what I'm actually doing. It's like if you like the flavor of that, this is where you can get a lot more.
1: (laughs) Right. And the point of doing this creative ventures in whatever arena for people is not we're not doing this for the accolades because no. that won't necessarily get you anywhere you you do it for the journey itself right that's who you are you're just doing because that's what you do you're not trying to get 15 million likes on whatever it is. <laughs> what What is that?
0: I know I have a friend who has 108,000 followers. I'm like, ask them all for a (laughs) dollar.
1: Yeah. It's a weird time that we're living. But yeah, so we as creatives do it for the love of doing it. It's like, you know, a porcupine (laughs) doesn't try to grow extra quills. You know, and they just are. So,
0: Well, it's funny. It's because I think when we're so young, we grow up thinking that mom and dad are God. And that there is a solid right or wrong that is so profound that you have to have outside approval because you need their approval. So for your first 18 years, that's all you're looking for. Then that translates to your teachers. Then it translates to your boss. And you realize the whole game is up to you, you know. And if anybody does win any kind of accolade of any kind, any kind of beautiful award, it was decided by other people who thought they should give it to them. So I started deciding it. Right. You know, I was like, OK, I'm going to give some of my friends some of these 3D printed Grammys that I had made <laughs> for them because That's they need true. encouragement. You know, and it's That's like true. it's just as valid. Mine just doesn't weigh five pounds. But, <laughs> you know, it's because yeah. I think you're great and I want you to know that, you know, and it's, it's just validation I, is huge for your students, I am sure. It, well, it was for friends, actually, because they're kind of expensive. I didn't do too many. <laughs>
1: But if I had my own 3D
0: printer, maybe I would, you know.
1: Oh, your next acquisition. There we go.
0: There you go. No, but I don't think people realize how important that inward inner validation is. And that's part of why I wanted to talk to friends about this kind of thing, because we're in it. We've been doing it 50 years plus. And it's like there's no turning us down you know there's there's the volume and the the intensity it's like if anything it's more because it's more exciting we understand more we're much better at it now and there's we can afford better gear and it's so much more fun to keep going you know yeah we well we go until we drop right <laughs> well, that's going to happen for sure but not today i hope not today
1: <laughs> well and it also um taps on the thread of those Not necessarily even in the creatives, but the older folk, you know, they've got life experience that the younger folk would be wise to tap into. So you're uh, strategically positioned within Berkeley community and your other connections where you can be very impactful to Mm -hmm. students and friends. But, you know, and I think starting this or having this outlet is one of those ways that you'll be impacting a lot of folk.
0: Wow. That's cool. Reason The only reason I had started was for creative company. It was like, there are a lot of people I haven't talked to in a long time, so let's go say hello or people I haven't met, you know? Yeah. And um, I need encouragement, you know, I need uh, adult company. You know, that was the reason. Well, it's and- almost
1: like an offshoot of the isolation we all experienced going through the COVID yeah. time frame, right? And so a lot of this online stuff has kind of really taken off, blown up because of the isolation we were all feeling. So connectivity through online, through the internets.
0: Yeah. And it became a viable thing. Like I was even thinking that when it first happened, when lockdown first happened, I thought there are a lot of creative people sitting around at home, bored, not able to go out into the world and dance the way they normally do. It's like you could probably get almost anybody on the phone if you tried because they're desperate to talk to somebody you know
1: but at the same same time a lot of those creatives that were isolated at home did take the opportunity to create something new Mm. Uh, you know that was a thing as well and then you have to i lost my last my next point never mind next it'll come back to you Um, it'll come back to be about three o'clock in the morning you want me to
0: call you and and we'll we'll jump back on the call back online (laughs) well no you were talking about uh creative people being locked at home and being able to call them on the phone perhaps. And, but you said they, they started a new venture.
1: I think that it's been helpful. Well, I remember what it is now. Thank you for the lead. Did you, in your role at Berkeley, continue teaching during that lockdown time period online? Or were you guys just shut down?
0: No, they, they made everything remote. We all went on to Zoom instantly, didn't miss a beat. Yes, but it became to me. so viable and so profitable. I thought they should keep it going. You right. know, I'd love to teach from home indefinitely.
1: <laughs> right. Well, that's why I offer in studio, but you have online access as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so, similarly, I'm—I've been associated with different colleges, universities, and private and stuff. But now I'm just on my own, which is cool. So I didn't miss a beat. I moved over to not Zoom, but a different platform. Right. And that was huge. So, yeah, we were able to stay yeah. connected and people kept going with lessons and that got us That's all great. through. great.
0: Yeah. Uh, back in 2010, I started doing live web chats on jamplay.com and I had a whole songwriting series on there that people have enjoyed. And it was so cool to be talking to people from all over the world. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I've been giving lessons since then in 2010 online. It wasn't Zoom at the time, but, you know, it was possible it's a really cool way to stay connected with people and to meet new people, I think.
1: So now, what are you doing currently, uh, music-wise? I know that you released one last year, you mentioned. You well, it just a couple months ago.
0: Months. <laughs> it's really just a couple. I think it was just March, just this year even.
1: Yeah. Oh, but yeah, S- but you know that's so last March.
0: I know. <laughs> what are you doing now? We want right, more Lauren right
1: Passarelli.
0: Well, I just launched this thing.
1: <laughs> so this is your creative time at the moment. So and that's no, good
0: not really, because uh, when the Beatles Get Back film came out, the Peter Jackson fantastic, wonderful thing that came out, uh, they were talking about how their that whole project happened in January. So it was in the fall that that came out. I figured that January. Why don't I do something completely different? Pick a real big month, like 31 days in a month. See how many songs you can write in a month. And I wrote 23 songs that I really liked. And I still have another two albums worth of stuff from that to work on. And I've always had my back, like, as many albums as I have out and as many songs as I have out, and it's several hundred, um, I still have more unreleased than I have released. Because, as you knew, maybe from back then, I just kept moving. You know, it was like... This condo wants to get rented or sold, and now I have to leave. Or this apartment wants to go condo, so I have to leave. And there was all these moving situations that I didn't enjoy. And all my gear was always in boxes. No no matter how professional the gear was, I couldn't use it. And so I was writing songs, doing what I could.
1: So your back catalog of yet-to-be-released pieces is huge. Yes. So you have a you're setting you've got a plethora a pile to work through, right? Keep you busy through your 150th birthday.
0: Absolutely, and and I'm I'm still writing new ones because you know things come up and you're inspired, you know. So, exactly.
1: Well, yeah. that that's a similar story to me. I'm you know in terms of when I release my next one, it's I've got a whole pile of over here that I'm just from. working on a little at a time, and it's like when's the next one coming out? Well, I'll get to it. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I know it, it feels like sometimes you don't know which creative thing to do first, because there's so many things calling you.
1: And the problem is the pile that you have already and the new creative things that come up and it's like, uh, should I go back and do or should I create a new or?
0: Well, that's but... an interesting dilemma. So then how do you personally stay cool with all that? Because that could be almost overwhelming in itself.
1: I have learned in my life uh, journey to kind of go with the flow that and give myself permission if I feel like some new thing is like I'd really like I've got all of these 15 things that I'd like to but I'd like to just do this new thing I created yesterday so I'm going to give myself permission and just do that and <clears throat>
0: so the thing that's calling you the loudest in that moment like what would be most satisfying to me right now
1: right right um, that's great yeah. Well, example, that exact scenario is happening. So I finished up a good project, a big update to a project yesterday and got that pretty much done. We're going to have this conversation today. And then as soon as we're done, I'll be sliding over to a different arena where I've got some things you know, churning more in the written score world, which I do. And uh, I've got necessity to do some of these things. So I'm kind of pausing this other thing and doing this but that's okay because it's about being creative as you go
0: when i was a kid i remember Joni mitchell doing that she'd paint when she didn't have ideas for the music and she'd go do the music when she felt like to stop painting probably the music was swirling in her brain while she painted absolutely because whatever aligns you and makes you feel your best So you say, like, I'm in a good mood. I feel my best or I feel excited. You know, we all have days where we feel on top of the world and on days where we feel absolutely under it. Uh, Those are the moments when uh, you're doing your best work most of the time and you have the most optimism about who you are and what you're doing in the world. So it's like do whatever you can do if it doesn't hurt you or it hurt anybody else to stay in that kind of a place to endeavor to get back there and tune yourself like an instrument thousands of times a day, as Jim Carrey would say. And I find that happens all the time. And you don't realize what stimulus is coming from the outside, right? Like yesterday, there was so much humidity and it kind of snuck in again, even though I have the ACs on and stuff, I had them lower and I started feeling emotional and started to not feel very well. And I realized, ah, I'm starting to get that headache thing that happens with high temperatures and and in uh, too much humidity. I got to put the ACs back on, you know. And yeah. sometimes it's not you. It's not even a bad thought. It's a physical discomfort that you have to address. And I don't it's think being, artists realize this. There's well, so it's many-
1: being in tune with where you are now. Be, yeah. be here now, as they say. There's a book. Told. George
0: wrote about yes it's
1: a great so, so you, you pay attention and when you get to that place in life where you can pay attention then it gives you the freedom to do what you need to do at that moment to yes. stay not only true to yourself but to maintain creativity and whatever however that manifests so, yeah
0: and and take care of everything your 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 body needs because your body is this amazing interface with the world you know and a lot of folks don't realize how important it is to take care of it until it's really sick and then you start freaking out <laughs> and then and you, you learn start a lesson learning a
1: little bit too late all right a little
0: time. too late yes that's happened <laughs> probably to all of us what about when you you are down in the dumps what do you do to to encourage yourself as an artist
1: interesting um i think that's just part of life is being the ups and downs of things but if i ever get and this will sound really weird but it, it works for me um if and when i were to really get I'd get tired I just turn off there's times when it's like use the example of hangry I'm hangry Mm -hmm. I'm angry angry or whatever so if I'm I don't know just tell everybody I gotta go turn off I'll go turn off I'll go sleep for me sleep is a reward I'll push 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 I'll burn the candle on both ends of my day when need be but then if I finish a project let's go celebrate now I'm gonna go take a nap you guys go on and
0: I love naps (laughs)
1: Yeah. I, I mean i would be a napper i just need a little cot in the preschool room i, I could, you know,
0: <laughs> I know it's like use
1: some cookies on the other side i would be happy yes
0: have you ever like nearly fall asleep playing piano because i've done it playing guitar many times or even teaching it's like just start losing it.
1: <laughs> um no i can't say that i've done that because there's an engagement going on that's interesting that you have but then <laughs> yes yeah, so when i'm finished playing then it's like oh, please, next thing, hurry up and be done so I can, okay, back on. Uh,
0: (laughs) No, naps are the coolest.
1: (laughs) Well, they refresh. It's a blank slate. You wake up and then you're ready to recharge.
0: A total reset. It's like restarting your computer. Yeah. Let go of all that nasty RAM (laughs) Uh (laughs) that's clogging all the airway tubes and start again. Yeah, reboot. So uh, speaking of tuning then, do you touch up your own piano when some of the unisons start going wacky
1: um that's a very interesting question so i don't have the perfect pitch thing um i have the relative pitch thing going on for me but string players guitar or violins or whatever you guys are much more in tune with things being out of tune because you have to tune all the time yes and as a piano player that has gone into so many different venues and you can't really control that i'm not gonna spend go in a couple hours early and tune up a piano so i've learned to let go Uh, my current piano is in desperate need of a tune but it doesn't bother me because you know i'll bring the guy over so i learned to answer your question i don't tune it up myself i learned i don't my own oil either i learned that it's easier to pay somebody a little bit of money and have the professional do it so i'll get my piano tuned twice a year once a year whatever uh, and i'm fine with that it doesn't bother me
0: yeah but you have some electric
1: tune your instrument regularly i can
0: imagine it would bother you yeah. it does it bothers me so much i can't play a piano that's out of tune i can't even hit my drums when they sound bad i have to tune everything first and maybe that is a bit of a detriment because i know many piano players who go i don't even hear what you just fixed Well, we don't
1: we don't have the luxury of tuning our own instruments usually.
0: Yeah. But see, I think with whatever we got. I think piano teachers should give folks a little bit of a heads up on that. You know, it's like I bought the tuning hammer and uh, for a long time I was doing my pianos by ear and my piano tuner was impressed. He was like, wow, you got this as close as you can get it. I can't get it much closer. And then I found out about an app that does it just like a guitar tuner it it does the stretch tuning and reads anybody's piano and that makes it really easy two and a half three hours this thing's in tune yeah well i
1: think more so for you in relation to your piano tuning skills you're recording on that piano right yes yes so you when you get to the recording part that's the last thing you're going to do before you stick mics on it and record that sucker and so understandably so can i borrow some of
0: that (laughs) he's talking about my lip balm um
1: but like you as well i bought early in my uh youth i bought the tuning thing for the piano and everything and then it's lived my piano bench for 40 years because it's like i'm not gonna do that
0: it does take time i know we have to
1: choose these things it doesn't bother me. I can live with it. But then when we go to recording, if we go into a studio or some, yeah, it's got to be in tune. Otherwise, it'll drive me crazy and perpetually drive me crazy. Yeah. Can't take that So,
0: so then are, are your new albums and new compositions, new singles, all MIDI instruments? Yes. Uh-huh. Virtual instruments. And you must have some really superb libraries now. What do you using? it?
1: Yes. Um, It's one of those adages, you get what you pay for.
0: Uh um, (laughs) And
1: also virtual instruments are have gotten so much better. Yes, they really are. So one of the things I did was I hired a whole orchestra and I brought them into my little eight by eight inch square room here. And we recorded an entire orchestral piece, uh, the Melrose Overture. It was really (laughs) a tight fit but we got everybody in here and it sounds absolutely great <laughs> because they're real players real and so it sounds like the yes. orchestra as it should be and um. the, the advantage was the stupid flutes were playing b flat and it needed to be a b i was able to slap them and get them in tune <laughs> so yeah virtual instruments is the way for us individuals to go I mean, it's, yeah. it's expensive to rent a space and get all the gear and get the training and then tune everything. And then you have to do multiple takes and you're still going to have to go fix something. Live in the digital world and be precise about it. Encapsulate yeah. For me, it works. Encapsulate my best rendition of my piece. This is what I conceive. And if you want to recreate it, here's the score. Mm. You can go recreate it live. This is yeah. So do you,
0: do you sell a lot of scores? I notice you have a lot of even scores. Not, right it's there. become
1: an interesting passive income generating thing for me. It's kind of interesting. So yeah, I have that's on, awesome. a lot of my scores are on JW Pepper, uh, Sheet Music Plus, which is now part of Sheet Music Direct. Wow. And that's kind of what I'm going into. I'm I've got some updates to do on that. So and that's from my straight from my classical background where yeah. I can read the the notes like no big deal. It's a second my second link language but so yeah i've done that i've actually created whole hymn books of notation engraving music engraving and stuff like that right so done that as a side gig too so all these different gigs you put all the different musical components and skill sets that you have together and make your living so
0: you have a ton of them and you did handbell choirs too
1: didn't you arrange for the things back when i was i'll go back to bach bach being the church musician that's kind of how he, they were his you know pay patrons in a way. Similarly, I was director of music at churches for a while, and so we would have different handbell choirs. And so I would write pieces or arrange pieces for the group that I had. So in total, I got like 13 pieces that I did through the years. And so I released each of those individually as singles, and then I made it and put it together as a compilation CD. But those music scores are on all the sites, and I still have people that buy it and use it in their churches. It's quite wow. Quite, quick little side note about that. When when I moved down to Florida, one of the churches that I worked at um, hired me. And then as I was going through all the stuff that they had, they had a couple of my handbell arrangements in their vertical files that they had bought prior. So this church that I didn't know, you know, bought my stuff. We was performing it. And then I got hired to be their person. It's kind of. So, yeah, it's an interesting uh, thing to do can kind I of go through
0: wow I think so, this oh go ahead I just said so oh. <laughs> so so <laughs> I think the software I use for the piano is TuneCore and it's an app on Apple and at the time when I wanted it which was probably a good eight or ten years ago it was four hundred dollars for the app so I called to ask for to endorse it, you know, and to to have a discount on it, as I often do with any kind of piece of gear or software. And um, they said to me, you're not a professional piano tuner, so we're not going to give you a discount. And here I was willing to pay half or less, (laughs) or maybe a little more, but give me some percentage off, please. And they said, no, you know what they told me to do? You know what they told me to do? Buy an Android phone for 60 bucks and get the free software and every fifteen minutes it times out, so when it times out, and I have to stop tuning, I play piano <laughs> and then, when it comes back on, I continue tuning my piano, so I get a lot of practicing in <laughs>
1: oh wow wow when i'm
0: but I couldn't believe they turned down my two hundred dollars and well, t- to, to get the free verse <laughs> that was great. That's, that's like the best discount you could give me. Thank you, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's well, you have to delve in whether it's analog or digital and you have to have a vision of what you want to do and you don't necessarily have to do it but you have to be committed to doing this and then you figure out what you need to do to get what you need done and that's whether it's tuning pianos or learning or getting software
0: that's exactly what right
1: you just commit um Very the piano well, i'm using uh in the box i used to use a half rack piece of gear called the real piano which was module uh not module hmm. modeling it was a yes. modeling piano and i used that on several other the recordings uh, i've bounced over to um gosh i hadn't thought about it so i have to think about it for a second what's the one garrington is part of finale oh right Uh, make music is now coda make music so garrington has a piano which is a yamaha nine foot the cfx or something like that beautiful piano all all virtual instruments and that's my primary piano these days so i have a midi keyboard as my controller um and then my chops are good enough that i don't have to tweak a lot but then (laughs) i can tweak enough if and when and living in that world of being able to be that precise and musical using the the tech for musical purposes. I've really enjoyed that. So I've yeah. tried to remain in that arena of um, primary piano these days, CFX.
0: That's cool. So the software must be sensitive enough to pick up on all your professional subtleties.
1: Right. In the early days of um, sampling pianos, ivory software, piano, big, Name. They had like eight different dynamic levels, and so you could hear. And piano, you really need all the sensitive stuff. So that was early on. But nowadays, they use the full MIDI range, zero through one hundred twenty-seven. There's all a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, under the hood, and a lot of these pianos these days, Mm. virtual instruments. But so that they can do that, so you can you can hear the noticeable difference as you degrade your sound velocity as it were downwards and that's what I was missing so when I found that they've done that or they perfected that then I can make it I can get all the subtleties that I'm going to put in there anyway and it remains as opposed to being you know bumped up rounded up to the nearest dynamic level sample that we have for you now they have it so it's a combination I think of virtual instruments some modeling going on behind to to degrade it if need be or increase it so, have, yeah. Have you, wonderful have you time. Of, oh, go ahead. It's a wonderful time to be alive. Go
0: ahead. It really is. I really love the technology aspect of all of this, obviously, because it makes so much more available to us. Uh, have you heard of XLN audio? Um,
1: no. Familiar, uh, tell me what I'm, I'm missing.
0: Probably not much, because it sounds like you already have a beautiful couple of options for pianos but um i was using their drums xo drums and then they have a thing called addictive keys and those are pretty stunning because they have an upright and a grand and an electric and a roads but you can move the mics and the amps and the you know yes. change the size of the room and all those beautiful things and it just sounds pretty it's amazing.
1: amazing isn't it it's, it's yeah. really great now and
0: i can trigger all these different sounds from anything in the orchestra uh with a, a midi guitar or yeah. or the Fishman triple play on one of my guitars. And it's so interesting then, do you find that you have to play differently when you want to sound like a bassoon or a trombone? Like if I play something, even with a trumpet sound, it sounds like a guitar, unless I start thinking about how a trumpet would phrase things. And then I get in and sing it like a trumpet line or a line would be, and then I play it that way and it sounds more real.
1: Right. What you're describing is basically using different patches or different samples and even though in my world of playing it on piano, if I'm playing marimba, I'm gonna have to articulate that differently. Exactly. So it sounds like what the actual instrument that I'm replicate, trying to replicate emulates should be. So yeah, you have to change your technique yes. to make it work the way you need to. If which you're playing strings, cool. you have to overlap your notes just a little bit, which is the sliding to the next note. It's mm. not note, 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 it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you do have to change your technique to accommodate.
0: Yeah, it's fun to please your ears and make it sound more real by understanding that what you just played didn't sound like what you intended and how to figure that out, how to, like you say, change the articulation. I I think the attack and the articulation, the personality of how to play something, whether it's MIDI or even the actual acoustic instrument, is everything. I mean, that's, that's what's giving you your voice and describing your personality or describing exactly what you're trying to say. Because if you and I were yelling right now, it would be completely dynamic and a completely different attack than having a natural conversation. And well, a lot we are yelling. <laughs> we just tuned it down. Master. <laughs> well, there are a lot of guitar players that are playing furiously all the time, and it's like they're just strangling an alligator. And uh, you Well, know, that sounds
1: about- like youth. Because yeah. <laughs> the, if you can discover that music is not necessarily how many notes you play and how fast you play, yeah. but music—I've heard it said—it's not my quote—but music is like the silence surrounded by notes. Yes, because then there's value in the swirl, yeah, uh, the sound and the harm, harmonies and stuff. What you were talking about—the articulations—I um, think these days people are being creative not necessarily thinking how a trumpeter will use, would play it, but they're putting a new slant. Maybe they're a bad keyboard player, but they're playing a trumpet patch, and so they get a different, unique kind of a sound, and then we hear it on the pop charts, and it's like, that's not what a trumpeter – so you have to determine, are you trying to replicate what a true trumpet person would be, or are you just trying to make it a different texture to go on top of something else, and it's okay that it doesn't sound like a real thing.
0: Yeah. In both and it's all valid it's just what did you really intend and do you like what you came up with because sometimes happy it it's happy accident like hey
1: i can use that that's cool
0: yeah it's happy accidents are good too we'll happy, take
1: happy, happy accidents all the time <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: right i love that i love that
1: and <laughs> one of the things i was going to say towards the end was under the shameless plug category because i alluded to earlier in our conversation the whole nft and web3 and whatever so what it might be of interest to you, maybe your viewers, if they were to go to that X site and you can see what is considered a static site, but it's mm-hmm. not. And when you plop that into your URLs code in your browser, it's not going to take you to that. It's going to ping you around. You'll come up to the site because it's got to go check all the block web, whatever. But then you can see... All the possibilities. And in my limited understanding, here's what I've been able to create thus far. But like I've framed mine as the music, but also the creative works, the music and creative works of moi. And so cool. I've got my performances there. This is where they can find you and me back in 1989 playing together. But I've got the books and the articles that I've written, I've got the wow. NFTs listed there. And so there's one landing site one Mm. place to go and everything's there i learned this from derek cd baby
0: really how long ago
1: well back when he was head honcho he's always been good about getting back and forth yes Uh, i wrote to him recently he's going to do one of these yeah he's he's a good guy and so and he only knows me a little bit but anyway so basically he had said something about because people were trying to replicate their presence in my space and their presence here and the president and taking all the time to do this and he said something very important and he said have one spot yes everybody go to this one spot if you want to find out what's the latest thing with lauren passarelli go to her site go to matt's site you'll find out what's going on and that's a lot less so i only have to take care of one thing and then make sure all the feelers point to where this one thing is so that's huge but you're
0: going you're going to this new stuff
1: site i'm keeping both my current dot com site but i'm also recreating the dot x site which is more permanent right meaning i dropped dead at the end of the interview dot com goes away after a certain years but dot x will is already up there and will persist yeah so uh, there's value in that when did you find out about that um probably within the last year or two uh less nah. definitely less than two years yeah. but i Kind of, it's one of those things I discovered it and then I kind of put the other things on pause and went down this rabbit hole for a little bit. Yeah, there's I think that you'll find it very interesting because it takes your creativity instead of just having to say, well, I'm going to make records. You can still take all the audio. We'll use you as the example. You can take all your audio and recreate something completely different in the digital realm and you still use your audio component if you wanted to. Um, And then have that as available to sell and whatever.
0: Like what? What are you making that's different?
1: So like there are some artists, musical artists that are releasing, that have released their next record as a Web3 only record, an NFT only release. So Uh you buy this NFT and say, you know, there's only a hundred of these that we're going to put out there. And so you buy it, it's all digital cryptocurrency and all that kind of stuff on the blockchain. You buy that, but then you own that and it's a limited release. Say artist has released 100 of their newest thing, here's one of them and you Mm. value that. And then the hope is that that would appreciate or you hold it in your personal collection.
0: Mm. So all of this on NFTs or on the X site and everything is only on all these other crypto kind of currencies, not anything with physical... I mean, the actual dollar. Well, you no,
1: know, you, can, you can actually have, you can sell, you can create an NFT, which is a token registered on the blockchain. You can sell that to prove ownership for some physical thing. You can do that. So it's a way, they're going to be doing this. It's... If you haven't read up on it, it's coming with all medical records and government IDs and eventually foreclosure home documents and deeds and whatever. It's coming so that it's more permanent. And, you know, we store all this stuff in a uh, right now, all the money that we have goes into a bank and we have to rely that the banks can give us our money, and whatever. Well, there's a whole cryptocurrency uh, slant on that, that I don't want to have to go somewhere to get the money i want to control that i want to give it to my friend joe down the street without having to go to the bank and write a check that has to go to the bank and then eventually gets to joe i want to be able to send joe money so there is that kind of a concept Mm. put into the music world yeah as creatives and selling directly to fans and even things that we can't even think about yet haven't been invented yet
0: there's probably a bunch of uh YouTube videos about it. (laughs) There's a whole uh, part of this that I
1: haven't said the word yet. YouTube, as an example though, is a centralized thing. We put, I, you have put our stuff up there, but God forbid YouTube goes down, our stuff's gone. Well, the whole world in web three is about decentralized. So -hmm. there are basically YouTubes that exist similarly in the decentralized space that we control. So we can upload our stuff and it's going to live on the blockchain okay, in perpetuity. So,
0: so are you just putting things there now instead of everywhere else?
1: I'm doing both Web 2 and Web 3 because I like to double my pleasure and double the fun and double the work I have to do. So I'm doing <laughs> all of it. <laughs> just makes my world go around.
0: I wish they could just take everything that is on YouTube and get it over there.
1: Well, just have your people start doing that for you.
0: <laughs>
1: I've got my people working on it.
0: <laughs> your left hand versus your right. Something uh,
1: like that. Yeah. yeah. But well, I'm so happy that you tapped me on the shoulder and we were able to reconnect because you're an amazing person person in the world, and I've always been privileged to call you my friend and my colleague. And it was always a blessing when we got to play together those many years ago. And who knows, at some point in the future, we might bounce tracks back and forth and do it again. You never know.
0: Oh, that's true. It's much easier now. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to pay for the studio time at Blue Jay.
1: (laughs) Exactly right. And the quality is even better because it's all digital now. So better is relative, I understand.
0: Well, thank you so much because you, you've endeavored to stay in touch all these years, which is a great thing. And you've always been so inspiring to me because not only were you always on the cutting edge of what was going on business-wise with musicians, like you just described with all this stuff, <laughs> and uh, but mostly because you're a person who just started out playing piano like any of us little kids, and you've kept going. And that's fascinating to me because there are a lot of artists that don't keep going. And I think sometimes that's why some people get so depressed and get so crazy. It's not that artists are crazy. It's just that they're not doing their work. And if you just go and do your work, you feel proud and you feel good. And um, you've always done amazing work in the world. And so you've always been an inspiration to me. And I, I thank you for all your help and wisdom that you've always generously shared.
1: We are in the mutual admiration society, you and I.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's where the greats live. You know, if I've met anybody in the music industry that has been super cool, they didn't have to prove to anybody how cool they were, or lord it be- over somebody, or make somebody else feel smaller to feel big. They were just very kind. You know, right? You and I've be- never known you to be unkind. You know, I've never even seen you in a bad space. So, generally,
1: I don't live there. I think of myself as a kind person overall. Mm except it for the that I just kicked a moment ago but other than that Ruth.
0: it takes work to keep your needs met and to stay kind
1: <laughs> oh it's been and you know that's not all the time we all have different chapters and stuff going on for us but yeah generally that's who I am and I think that's who you are and that's been our connect one of our connections through the years so
0: yeah yeah so great to see you Matt well bless you my friend keep, thank you, you keep too. making music all you right too. thank you doll. take good care thanks so much bye bye Matt Johnson, pianist, composer. Check out his compositions, buy his music, study with him online, mattjohnson.com and mattjohnsonmusic.com. Excellent piano teacher. That was fun, Matt. Great catching back up with you. Thanks for the new information. As always, keeping me on top of the technology. This is Creative Conversations with Lauren Passarelli. You can watch Shorts of these videos on El Paso guitar watch the full conversation and see our faces on YouTube thanks so much everybody keep making music